We are live. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. All right. So this is episode three. I should have come prepared with three in a different language. Like last week, I used my single Spanish word of dos. Oh, we need a different language. <laughs> so this is episode three of Choreograph Chaos, the podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Nicole. And we are so excited to be back. Woohoo! Party pump it in the words of Nicole. Party pump it. <laughs> it's gonna make. It's gonna catch on eventually. <laughs> Never. <laughs> We're gonna put it on your grave. <laughs> I was gonna just thinking that. Can we put it on my tombstone? It's gonna be like a hundred years from now. Some Girl Scouts out there doing like the etching projects that you have to do in Girl Scout. You bring the paper and rub the crayon on it. Yes. And yes. They're gonna be like, "What gravestone did you do?" And little Marcy's gonna be like party pump it like what do you think that means this girl died in 2057 and has hashtag party pump it on her grave <laughs> what does hashtag mean <laughs> what do you think because before we grew up knowing it as the pound symbol and now it's become the hashtag hashtag so I wonder if it's going to have another evolution of something. but now when something says hit the pound I don't know what to push you don't you don't know that's the pound no, symbol? No, I like I only have so much space in my brain. Okay? <laughs> so there's things that I've deleted cuz I don't need them anymore. The word <laughs> pound is one of them. So I was on the phone. I really want to say it was Disney customer service and it said like hit the hashtag or hit the pound. It said hit, hit the, the pound. pound. And I was like what do I do? Which one's the pound? And I was like hashtag hashtag well, you, the other one's a star, and people do say star 69 or whatever. So wouldn't you process of elimination? Uh, no. Oh, speaking of ancient phones, so I found my old BlackBerry, and I found the charging cord, and I thought, I'm going to plug this in, and maybe there'll be some messages oh, Jesus on it. Christ. So the BlackBerry I had – I don't know if it – I think I only had it freshman year of college. I don't know if I had it senior year of high school. I don't quite remember. But I knew it would be more college text. But so I plugged it in and it turned right on. And my background is the picture of me and Oliver the Sock Monkey. Oh, Oliver's our – we've not talked about him yet. He's our official – So he's our podcast mascot. Nicole has a abnormal obsession with sock monkeys. The affinity. Um, and when I was in college in South Carolina, I went to Clemson. In case anyone didn't know that, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of shot it from the rooftops. So I'm very proud of it. Um, I wear a lot of orange. Uh, I was at a Bilo, which is a grocery store in South Carolina. Nicole's losing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I could not remember where you bought him from, a, and that's what I was I was at a Bilo at 1 in the morning. It was a 24-hour grocery <laughs> store. I'm pretty sure just that one was 24 hours, though, because it was in a college town. I could be wrong. But I was in the Bilo, which is a grocery store, at 1 a.m. with all my freshman friends, and there was a three-foot-tall sock monkey for sale, <laughs> a blue sock monkey. There was a whole bunch of them, but I picked the blue one. And I bought it for Nicole for her Christmas present. Mm-hmm. But I told her about it because it was going to be hard to hide in my dorm room. And I talked to Nicole on mm-hmm. Skype a lot. Um, 
So uh, he lived an entire semester at college with me because this was like September when I bought him. And he went places and we took photos of Mm -hmm. him and he like attended our parties. And (laughs) he was quite the college celebrity. He was kind of, do you remember Flat Stanley? That thing that you would take around like posts. He was kind of the, the reincarnation of Stanley. Because you should have named him Stanley. I don't even remember why he's named Oliver. I literally think I went to a name generator and that's the name that came up. Oh boy. <laughs> Back in the day, we used to name people after our family, dead family members. And now we use name generators. Now we use a name generator. So, um, but he's our unofficial mascot. So he is. He's wonderful. Where was I going with this? Well, I was saying because the background of my Blackberry oh, is a picture of him and I, which I thought was hysterical. So I looked, but all the messages are deleted. There aren't any messages, Darn. which was so sad. But I did have, if you had a Blackberry, um, you could you could have you had a Blackberry pin. And so it was basically what was it? Like instant messenger for both Blackberries. And so the only thing I've left is a text message between my cousin and I on there. And we were talking about how I was going to be 20 years old, which then after reading that, like hurt my heart. But you're a few years off of 20 years old now. Yeah, I know. It's, I was like, oh my. And I was and in the message. I was like, I can't believe I'm going to be 20 years old. I'm so old, which now that's rich. But I think that goes along with our like um, the world is stalking us because of this podcast. So mm-hmm. Nicole and I are experiencing things coming back to us that we talk about in the podcast. So like we're two episodes in, we've talked about several different topics and now they're like things we haven't talked about or mentioned or thought about in years. And now they're like resurrecting mm-hmm. in our lives. Like Nicole sent me an Instagram message the other day that sweatsuits matching track suits, like the juicy suit she wore when we met mm-hmm. are making a comeback this fall. They are. They're going to be a fashion trend this fall please god no it's covid's fault because we don't go anywhere they're like jumpsuits of velour yeah like just different things like that that like keep coming up in our lives from we've been talking about okay but do you know what did i think i said it in the other episode it's kind of like the kraken like you summon it and it comes (laughs) but do you know what happened that i would classify as a miracle in our house today and i am so excited about it which now makes me think maybe it is because of that. So when Las Vegas is my favorite place, which I think everyone should know. And last time I was there, last March, I bought myself a pair of these, the little Return of Tiffany heart earrings. And I absolutely love them. They're my favorites. And about three months ago, I thought I lost one and I had no idea where it went and I was convinced that it was in my closet. I was like, I don't know where it would have gone. I can't find it. I dumped out all my earrings. I looked through everything, couldn't find it. And then today, ironically, when I was looking for another pair of earrings, I ended up finding the missing piece in the earring thing that I know for a hundred percent certainty that I dumped out and went through each individual earring, but somehow it reappeared and I found it again. And I could not be more ecstatic about. Are you it. sure it's not the original earring? No, because I'm wearing both. Oh, okay, you're wearing them now. Okay, 
Yeah, I was because I've done that before where I thought I found something I was missing, which was a pair, but really I just had the one I had already had, and I'm still missing the other one. So, no, I looked high and low. I could not find it, and I was very upset about it. Um, and I was very distraught, and I'm so glad that now they are back together. So maybe we really did awaken something. We're manifesting. I think let's let's hope that this we could just keep saying things that we hope to manifest. I know. I would like a million (laughs) dollars. Can we manifest that? Some people aren't that lucky. (laughs) Although this this is an update that happened also in our house today. Our upstairs air conditioner conked out. So it's a solid 80-some degrees up there. (laughs) So... (laughs) Two times. We replaced tomorrow morning, but they couldn't do it today. So that's going to be fun tonight. So when we, when I was in Virginia two times ago, I was up in Virginia, um, end of May into June. Um, my boyfriend slash business manager Jeff, um, whose birthday it is today on the day that we're filming yes. this, it's his birthday. Happy birthday, Jeff! Happy birthday, Jeff! Um, he got so I'm up in DC. He's down here in Florida. Uh, he calls me and he's like, the air conditioning isn't working. Mm. And he is a human being that loves the cold. I wear sweatshirts all the time. Like, I go outside to walk the dogs. It's 95 degrees and feels like 104 and I'm in a sweatshirt. And I'm perfectly happy. Jeff is, like, melting all the time here. And he calls me and he's like, the air conditioning's broken. And my dad's like, how awful is that? That you are the one that wanted to live in Florida. You're the one that likes it hot. And you're not even there when it's broken. He's got two dogs, bless himself. <laughs> and like, like Jeff is so, likes the air conditioning so much. He has from house to house to house moved a window unit so that he has backup. Oh, really? Yeah. So he put that in the bedroom so that he had that until they fixed the AC in our house. But my dad's like, that's awful hope that like you're sitting in our very air conditioned house while he's suffering in Florida in June Mm-mm. by himself. <laughs> no, thank you. I know it's, it's going to be rough tonight. I think <laughs> you might sleep in the basement. I might. There's actually a very comfortable couch down here. So I'm very much considering it. I said to Nicole, as we got on tonight, um, we I call Nicole like once a week with a nature story. So mm-hmm. I'm in Orlando. We are in a little tiny community that's super cute and I love it. But we're the end house next to the woods. Do you want to give your address out in case anyone wants to send yeah. you some fan mail? <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, so, I, actually, we just found out somebody like lives in these woods, like actually has a house way back in there. Oh, a house. I thought you were going to be like in a tent and he has a clown. No, we're, we're convinced he's a serial killer, though, because every once in a while he drives around by in a big van. And I'm like, that's he's kidnapped more girls to take back there and kill. He's kidnapped, he's kidnapped at least one girl. So we tend to see a lot of nature because of our proximity to the woods. Plus, it's Florida. Um, mm-hmm. So like lizards are a thing. If you live in Florida, you know, there's a million and a half lizards. So as I was coming into my office to do this podcast jeff was like what's that behind you on the floor because i'm talking to him and this little tiny baby frog walk hopped by like in the middle of our living room like it's it's actually under our entertainment unit right now jeff's like i'm not getting it out i was gonna try to let it loose but it's just gonna die there now like i'm like i'm like please don't vacuum it it up i don't want it to die no so it's just like this running like when i first was living in the house I got up early one day before work and I'm talking to Susie, my dear dog, 
because nobody else was living in the house at the time. Jeff hadn't moved here. And I'm trying to empty the dishwasher and be an adult. Mm. Um, I think this was the last time I emptied the dishwasher in this house. So it's like seven months ago. And I took a plate out and I thought I saw something move. And I was like, what is that? And I like moved the plate and sitting on the plate is a giant frog. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, Susie, it's a frog. What do I do? What do I do? Like in my dishwasher. Like, did it survive the dishwasher cycle? Yeah, how to get in we there? Have no idea. It was this white frog. So I mm-hmm. pit, put a cup on the plate and <laughs> took the plate outside and just left the plate. And I was like, it's fine. I don't need the plate anymore. And you like this plate. So, and then I went to work. And that day I had an event at work. So all my, um, like my part-time employees are there and I have an older demographic that works for me and a lot of them are retired and this is like a job for them to do to keep themselves busy and so I'm talking to them about my experience I'm like I open my dishwasher and there's a frog here's a picture of it so I show them a picture of it and they're all like oh that's the cannibalistic frog and I'm like the what and they're like it's an evasive species in Mm -hmm. Florida that is cannibalistic to eat the other frogs and they're like the one guy is like he is a retired um like horticulturist and he was like you're supposed to kill them like that's the law in florida you're supposed to kill them and i'm like what he's like yeah you're supposed to humanely kill them i'm like well what does that mean he was like well you either can put like a muscle relaxant on it because then it will like suffocate it you have to touch it apparently or you can just put it in a bag in your freezer in your freezer that's what i was thinking and i was like put it back in your dishwasher i was like nope it can live in the nature it's fine and now he has a permanent residence and i think his he's tripled in size so he's eating all the other frogs except for the baby frog in our living room yeah one slip past so but yeah i call nicole all the time with my nature stories so yes one of my favorite nature stories happened last night it was two nights ago oh my so <laughs> Although I want to ask something, yeah. but I feel like if I ask it, is it going to manifest? I don't want a gator in my backyard, Nicole. I was going to say, have you ever had an alligator? No, I haven't actually seen one since I've been in Florida. Okay. Please don't. No, we I have to say that your yard is fenced in. I don't need – can you imagine my bulldog? He'd get eaten by the gator. He's, that is he's true. He's not that fast. He's not that fast. But he, his legs don't work separately, so he like runs like a, like a wooden – teeter toy (laughs) i got home late from another friend's house and i come in and the dogs are like immediately want to go out it's probably what i call midnight it was like almost one when i called you so probably like 12 30 so i let the dogs out my backyard is fenced it is fenced Mm -hmm. with a high fence like i can't Mm -hmm. be over the fence and i'm five six a high wooden fence like you can't get through it there's nothing and all of a sudden i see something so it's pitch black outside suddenly i see Susie chasing something Which, Susie is a diehard advocate of chasing squirrels. So, my first gut reaction was it was a squirrel, but then it's pitch black at night and the squirrels aren't normally out then. So, I'm like, Mm -hmm. so what is that? So, she jumps on top of whatever it is. And I, like, yell at her to go away. I'm like, leave it. And she does, which I'm like, okay. She listened. We're doing good. And it's gray. And I'm like, it's a friggin' possum. Oh, my God. It's a possum. And then I get closer to it and I'm like... It's not a possum. It's an armadillo. (laughs) We had a bloody armadillo in our backyard. And not like a little armadillo, like a 10-pound armadillo. He's like a full size. And 
completely unfazed by after Susie went away, he unrolled from his little ball and <laughs> proceeded to just walk around my backyard for two hours. Like I called Nicole on FaceTime and I was like, I have an armadillo in my backyard. <laughs> What's going on? Like I went outside to take photos of it. Didn't seem phased of it. Jeff was not that into it. He was like, why? He's like, I don't want to get bit by it. I, it. Leave it alone. I watched Susie and I sat in the window, watched it for like two hours. How did it get into your yard we, is what I'm wondering. So there's one tiny place where the fence is broken and he dug out okay. and dug under. Well, my version of it is I get this FaceTime, this FaceTime call from Hope and it's, I can tell she's in the backyard. It's dark. And she's like, oh my God, guess what? Like, we have an armadillo in the backyard. And so she's trying to show me, but it's kind of dark. Because I think you were, was it in the window? Were you still out there? Uh, by the time, I think by the time I called you, I was in the bedroom watching it from the window. Yeah. So she was watching it. And then she was like, Susie jumped on it. And then you had this moment of, oh my gosh, our armadillo is dangerous to dog. <laughs> so then I, so she made me Google in armadillos because she couldn't stop watching the armadillo and talk to me. So then I had to Google if they were dangerous. So I learned some facts about armadillos. One, the United States only has one type of armadillo, which is, it's called, what are they, the nine-banded, mm-hmm. nine-ring? Nine-banded. Armadillo. And armadillos carry leprosy and rabies. Yay. <laughs> but <laughs> I found out that they're very docile animals and they won't do anything. Like they don't well, they don't bother dogs because I Googled specifically about armadillos and dogs. And they're like, they won't bother them. Like they'll only ever attack if they feel really threatened, but most of the time they'll just walk away. And it's really hard to contract those, is what it sounded like, unless the armadillo bites or scratches. It draws blood. Yeah, the dog or the thing because they have like bacteria in their mouth and in on their talons. I don't know, claws. I don't know what you call them. Um, armadillo fingers. <laughs> armadillo fingers. Um, so it's only then. And I guess people do eat armadillo meat. I knew that. But I guess that you can – that's really how people contract – I didn't – I don't – leprosy didn't sound that big of a deal, but that's how they contract like rabies and leprosy because I guess – it sounds like even if you do cook it, it's still a little dicey. So, so no. So, Susie should be fine. That's good. Everybody should be fine. It's only if it really, I guess, attacks you is if it's concerning. So, we thought we think he came very rare. We think he came back last night, too, because when Jeff went out this morning. So, the next day after this whole armadillo fiasco at one in the morning that, you know, mm-hmm. Jeff was really thrilled about, Hope was full nature documentary about. What was the text that you sent me when – because Hope goes, okay, hold on. I'm going to go in the backyard and I'm going to try to get some photos. And she wanted Jeff – this is the conversation I hear in the background. She wanted Jeff to come in the backyard to be her lookout to make sure if the armadillo charged at her, she had enough ample time to get away. And Jeff brought up a point that was, well, aren't you going to be looking at the armadillo through your camera, like through your phone? Don't you know if it's charging? And she goes, No. I'm going to be focused on getting a good shot. I can't be worried about my safety. Yeah. Which I did not understand. I was not thrilled with. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Like, all right. And then I get a text with said photos. And all the text says is, Jeff's being a real diva right now. (laughs) Yep. He wasn't happy. He didn't want to go in the backyard. I said he had a hissy fit. (laughs) Yeah, he had a hissy fit. 
And I was like, all I can imagine is these grown adults in their backyard at one o'clock in the morning yelling about an armadillo photo shoot. That's exactly what it was. It was amazing. But we think he's coming back. So we're going to have to get the fence patched because we think he just keeps showing back up. But our fast fact hope's now looking out the window to see if there's a there's a lizard right outside my window um there's a lizard so the fast fact so i called my brother the next day my younger brother doug who like loves when odd things happen i was like doug guess what we had in the backyard and he was like a gator which is everybody's answer when i tell this Mm -hmm. story and i was like no an armadillo and he was like i didn't even know they had armadillos in florida so he does the same thing as nicole and starts googling Apparently, armadillos only have identical sets of quadruplets. No way. Mm -hmm. All their babies are identical quadruplets. That's so cool. So maybe it was a pregnant armadillo. That would be best case scenario. He also read that they like to have multiple burrows. So Doug thinks Mm -hmm. he's really investigating my backyard for real estate value. But (laughs) maybe it was... Maybe this seems like a fun place. It was uh, it was an experience. The so we have started calling him. Um, so Nicole uh, likes to name nature animals. Nicole's had a few animals in her backyard or in her front yard. She likes to name them. So we have decided to call him the holiday armadillo after friends, which is even more mm-hmm. fitting that I have a Jewish boyfriend. If you've watched Friends and know what the holiday armadillo is, it's amazing. Think about that. We called him that because it's Jeff's birthday today and it happened right before it. And we thought it was such a fitting name to be called the the Harmadillo. The Holiday Armadillo. Holiday Armadillo. So I didn't even think about that. That is perfect that it all comes together. I live in a nature documentary. We have a hawk Mm -hmm. that lives in our backyard that regularly sits there and looks like it wants to eat my puppy. When Zion was a little baby, I was convinced this hawk was going to take him. And I was going to have to tell Jeff that I lost his dog to a hawk. (laughs) (laughs) Just picture these little bulldog legs as he gets taken away. (laughs) Flapping away in the wind. Oh, We do have a lot of nature. Because we, I have a lot of woodland creatures that like to live in my yard too you have a deer what do you call your deer heidi her name is heidi um we have heidi oh there's a deer fam i mean there's a bunch of deer but heidi's my fave and we also have a we have a fox that lives in the bushes that i call gladys and we also have in our neighborhood um we call it the mangy fox because it looks like it's on drugs (laughs) So he, we just saw him. Uh, we were on a walk the other night, and we saw him cross in front of us, and we we're like, "Oh God!" Um, what was the groundhog's name? Had- Herman. Yeah, for a long time there was a never-ending oh, Herman sagas. Um, we have a we used to have a turtle. I don't I haven't seen him. We have a lot of frogs. I've had a frog in my toilet. I've had a frog. Um, that was on my purse one time and I tried to get rid of it and it's I have it on video and I think it's very funny. Uh, it did not go great. <laughs> and Nicole's not an uh, animal person. A possum. We had a couple possums that we tried to capture and relocate. Yeah, the best part is your house attracts animals and you mm-hmm. and your parents are not animal people. Not at all. Like Nicole, I think Susie is the, the only dog you like. Uh, correct. Do I like another dog? Airbud from the TV show. 
<laughs> no, a real life dog. Oh, my cousin's dog, Jasmine, who is John. What is she? St. Bernard? I don't know. She's huge. Um, but we have a very good understanding. My parents' dogs like you, but you don't like them. Yeah. I will say that most dogs want to be my best friend, but I don't necessarily want to be. It's because they can sense that you have hesitations and they want to convert you into a dog person. Yeah, that is true. That's my. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I like like two and a half dogs, basically. <laughs> we haven't met Zion yet. I have a feeling you're going to like Zion. Yeah. His little pudgy self. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about a hope story. This episode. Oh, wait. Well, this is a hope story, too. This is just a smaller one. I, so I don't know what how the conversation came up the other night. I don't remember. We were talking about... Because you were wearing a shirt. We were FaceTiming. Oh, the ice cream shirt. Wearing a shirt. And I was like, what's that on your shirt? Is it... It looked like... Um, a cupcake. A cupcake or something. Or a jellyfish. I was like, is that jellyfish or a cupcake on your shirt? She's like, oh, no. It's an ice cream cone. Which, what is, so I was like, oh, that's cool. And then you proceeded to tell me about your shirt. So, yeah, it's a shirt that I inherited from my grandfather when he passed away. He had all these great t-shirts and I took them all and I'll like wear them just around the house. My favorite of his t-shirts that I kept (laughs) is one, it's this blue t-shirt. It's so worn down and so comfortable. But it says, uh, best grandfather in the world on it mm-hmm. which is you know i'm obviously not a grandfather yet <laughs> <laughs> yes um and i was telling nicole that one of the first times that jeff ever stayed over at my place this, this just shows the kind of girlfriend i am i really put in the effort um one of the first times that jeff ever stayed over at my place i got ready for bed and i put on that shirt because that's normally what i wear to bed and I got into bed and it wasn't until like two minutes after I got into bed did I realize like I, we were still like in our newer phases, like the early honeymoon phase. And I was like, oh, God, this is so bad. Like, he's probably judging me for the shirt. Like, I'm in bed with him, my new boyfriend, and I'm wearing a shirt that says best grandfather in the world. And like, if he asks about it, I have to say to him, like, this is my dead grandfather's shirt. It just, it was not a, it was not a good move. And it it made me really self-conscious of the shirt. So, but Nicole's losing her mind right now. I'm trying not to laugh directly into the microphone, but it's so funny. So, um, tonight, because I I had a feeling you were going to bring this up on here. Uh, Mm -hmm. I said to Jeff, I said, do you remember this? And I asked him and I said, do you remember when we were first dating and I wore that shirt? Did you think anything of it? And he was like, what shirt? I had to go get it out of my closet. I've worn this shirt probably a hundred times in front of him. He was, I was like, my shirt that says best grandfather in the world. He was like, I don't know what shirt you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, are you for real? So I went and got it when I got it. He's like, oh yeah, I knew that shirt. I didn't realize it said grandfather. Like, so obviously I was so stressed out over nothing, apparently, but I do you know it's like I had this whole panic over like, wow, like I'm going to have to explain to him why I have a shirt on that says best grandfather in the world. Like, do I need to come up with a lie? Like, a like this was a gag t-shirt I got in a white elephant present, like something ridiculous. Or do I just be like, it was my grandfather's shirt and I liked it and now he's dead. So I have it. <laughs> Did you give it to him? I did. Oh, okay. I had well, that makes sense. He, um, we're 
my mom's an only child, so we're the only grandkids. <laughs> so, well, I mean, but there's you have two brothers. Well, I highly doubt Alex was picking out the best grandfather in the world t shirt. <laughs> it's not really a style. <laughs> and way to just throw him under the bus. Doug would have been a abstract concept at the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, he probably would have made one with like his handprints on it and like wrote a really beautiful message on the back. No, that's not Doug. Oh, now that's Doug. That was not Doug as a kid. Mm-hmm. Now that's no. Doug. As a kid, there is <laughs> we're getting so off topic. My mom, whenever we did cards for people at holidays and things like that, my mom would make us draw pictures for them. Uh that's so really she would good idea. you know, have a whole bunch of pictures we needed to draw. So for grandma and grandpa's Christmas card mom was like okay hope and Doug, you gotta draw pictures here's your paper and you know this is for grandma grandpa so i think i drew like a duck my grandfather used to take me to feed the ducks oh, um that makes so sense. i drew this i'm probably gonna i want to say i was like six or seven at the time which would have made doug's two or three so i um drew a duck and it was you know put a lot of effort in and Doug, who has no time for anything that he's not interested in, even as a two to three year old, drew a single red line down the center of the paper. And my mom's like, Doug, what's this? And he's like, a string and got up and left. So my grandmother had them framed and they hung them in the bathroom in her house forever. It was my incredibly artistic six year old duck at Doug's a string, which my mom literally wrote that out on the paper. A string. <laughs> a string. Quote. I, that is so representation of both of you so well that it's almost incredible and now the roles have reversed so now doug is like the ultimate gift giver that it just annoys the living daylights out of all of us yeah it's very funny to me i'm glad you find it funny we did yeah, it's a third party it's hysterical that is but you gave your grandfather that shirt and i think that's really top notch so my best grandfather in the world shirt <laughs> i love it so much so comfortable so I, those are the best once they once a shirt starts falling apart that's its prime i think i know i wish they could just make them like that from the start i know i don't know what it is about it that they can't pre-wash them but a hundred times something <laughs> yeah exactly a hundred times shows how not green you and i are run the whole hundred times. although the thing is my favorite shirts are the shirts that i've had for like my top favorite shirts, I can tell you, are the Dare shirt that we got in fifth grade. Do you remember that? Yeah, I got I I was in the Dare calendar that year. I drew a drawing that made it into the Dare calendar. Oh, come on. Way to dug it up. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> um, I love that shirt. I still wear that shirt. Ugly and that color. Shirt's actually, mine's just like neutral. It was like an ugly like an cream color. or oatmeal. Okay. Yes. Yes. It is an ugly cream. Yes. And it says dare across the front. I love that. My other favorite shirt is one of my dad's old shirts from work and it literally is falling apart. Does it say best dad ever? Um, no, it did not. I did not give my dad that shirt. Um, I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to start a new podcast and it's going to be called My Dad's Kind of Mean to Me. And see, He's like, hey, if you can make it work, I'm all for it. I was like, great. <laughs> um no my dad used to work at the washington post and so it's a shirt that he got you know free from work and um and it has a i think it just is like washington post on the front but the back it has a picture of a newspaper and it says if you don't get it you don't get it <laughs> which i always thought was such a great slogan that is a good one like, if you don't get the newspaper you don't get the news which i mean obviously now it's obsolete but um 
Google. <laughs> and that's like falling apart. And those are my – oh, and a restaurant that we went to in South Carolina when I was in like eighth grade. And we got a shirt, which I don't know why, but that's my favorite shirt. Yeah, They're better when they're like that. Yeah. So they're shirts I've had for over 15 years. So we should just well, – that should be if we ever try to come up with a business idea – Come up with a way to make wash shirts. Yeah, fifteen year wash shirts. I guess that's why people like vintage shirts so much too, because they're already broken in. No, it's because they're trying to be trendy. It has nothing to do with the feel oh. of the shirt, Nicole. <laughs> that's how I would buy a shirt. Oh my lord! No, it's because like the because everything works in cycles. So like you know, like it, it, like Yogi Bear is back because it was like twenty five years ago. Nah. I, I don't know. I was just picking something. I, Are you being serious or was that just an example? I mean, uh, it was just an example, but it's probably oh, okay. it's like, probably, probably going to be like the next like lo- like line of thing. I'm going to get online tomorrow and be like, Cakeworthy is coming out with a lot of Yogi Bear stuff. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> Didn't see that. Was Yogi Bear? No. That was I was thinking the pick a nick a basket. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Smokey the Bear. You can't prevent. Only you can prevent forest fire. Well, he's back. Like, he's on shirts. Yeah, but did he ever really go away? I mean, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, maybe. I don't keep up with the I mean, cultural prob- icon. Prob- probably not the bear teaching you not to burn the woods down. He probably didn't go away. I probably just stopped going into the woods. So. <laughs> like, this seems like a dangerous place. Post Girl Scouts, I probably stopped doing that. <laughs> Did you ever have to go camping as Girl Scouts? Many, many times. Okay. I must have dropped out of Girl Scouts before that happened. Many, I never. many, many times. Like, Did I, you enjoy it? Oh, um, I think at the time I did, I think looking back, it looks pretty miserable. The best part is my mom went camping. No. Yeah. Are you kidding me? My mom was in charge of our first aid for our, camp, for our troop. Oh my god! So my mom came to everything. I have horrendous photos of her looking miserable with bandanas in her (laughs) hair at campsites. (laughs) I can't imagine your mom in the woods. So my mom, um, because I, you know, because I was Girl Scout, I love doing all the Girl Scouty things. She loves you very much because you know my mom would not go in the woods. (laughs) So she, um. I always wanted to go to camp and like right at the eight, you know, everybody's like, oh, go to sleepaway camp, go to sleepaway mm-hmm. camp. My mom wasn't comfortable with us doing that. So my mom signed us up to go to this day camp, Girl Scout camp. And my mom is one of those people that can't just do something. She has to be the leader of something. So my mom was. I wonder where you get that from. My mom was the troop coordinator for the DC region for like years. Like everybody knew my mom in the world of Girl Scouts because she was the one that built all, like set up all the troops. Um, so. She was like, all right, we're going to go to Girl Scout camp. So my mom went, she volunteered to help and then like slowly climbed the ladder and eventually became like the registrar of the camp. So every summer I'd go to this Girl Scout camp because it was a day camp and, you know, it was perfect for my mom because she could like get out of her car, go straight to one of the pavilions, sit on a bench and not have to ever go (laughs) into the nature. And I loved it and it was great. But my last year, probably when I was in like seventh or eighth grade i was like mom i really want to go to sleepaway camp and my mom was like well if you go to sleepaway camp you can't go to your regular camp it was camp algonquian um mm. and i was like well that's fine well, my younger brother who my dad works so my mom was a stay-at-home mom my mom needed something to do with my brother so the camp had a boys group 
for all of the mothers volunteering or the fathers volunteering so that they had somewhere to send their sons so they didn't have to worry about it. And the boys would like go to the pool or go play mini golf. And Doug mm-hmm. was so upset that he wasn't gonna be able to go to Girl Scout camp. My mom had to work another year of camp so that my brother could go to Girl Scout camp. <laughs> Although I can't really imagine Doug in the woods either. He loved Girl Scout camp. <laughs> interesting but they'd like play sports and like they didn't do like they would do some of the activities but like the one of the big stations that was most popular is like you got to make your own ice cream like they would do that kind of oh, stuff but that's not camping no we were not like no literally so like it was like <laughs> camp so you had like a group and there was all your different groups for your age demographics and you were assigned to a tree and your tree was decorated and you went to all these different activities and there was a starting thing and an ending thing and everybody had to do roll calls you had to come up with a creative roll call oh i'm sure you were all over that i still remember from my actual girl scout troop which was 3621 um wow you do it for us because i know this is your so we <laughs> at one good. of the camps we did an actual sleepaway camp with my actual girl scout group not camp Algonquian. the cheer was 3621 we are here to have some fun if we don't we don't care <laughs> we just want to see a bear <laughs> did you want to see a bear yeah, that was what we were doing did you ever see a bear? No. Okay. We we need to get my mom on so she can tell some of her camping yes, story. I have a lot of questions now, I feel like. We need to- I have a lot of questions for Doug too about the Girl Scout camp. No, I, I never went. I never wanted to go to sleepwear camp. I did not want to go to any type of camping but adventures. Did, did you do activities as a kid? I did a lot of that. I again my memoir tried something for five minutes hated it tried something else i tried a lot of things um which my mom now will tell you that's her one thing that she wished that she made me stay with something because i did dance i did ballet i was in brownies i did brownies um i did like a year girl scouts i played the guitar i tried a lot of things it just wasn't I don't know. I just didn't find them as interesting. I did like, I did do Odyssey of the Mind and I did really like that. I was never smart enough to get into that. What? I was never smart enough to get into that. <laughs> I loved that. You had to I test, did that. You had to test into that. I wasn't smart enough to get in. Look at me. <laughs> um, I, I loved that. So, no, I, so I don't know if it was an official agreement between my parents or like an unspoken agreement, but my parents put a lot of effort into, first of all, raising Renaissance children. So I felt like I was a well-rounded list of activities, but also that they were involved in our activities and particularly like cross-gender. So like my mom was always my brother's baseball mom. So that oh, she- that's a cool idea. And so my dad was my figure skating team dad so i synchronized skated for a short period um i I mean i competitively figure skated for years but i synchronized skated for a couple years and the team you know has like a president and a vice president a treasurer and all of that well my mom was like tom you need to be involved in hope's activities so my dad went out and became president which i have a distinct memory of my dad sitting in a meeting where they're picking on our costumes (laughs) oh my god (laughs) which my dad was probably not that into <laughs> and probably you can just imagine your dad like standing in the, in the ice right, like holding a pair of your ice skates and like having a hot chocolate and be like hey guys what's going on and i think that was the year we had to wear these bright orange costumes with these like fire emblems and like black velvet thanks dad yeah and there was three teams and all the teams had to have outfits that coordinated with each other so we all had like some variation of that hmm. you can tell a man picked those outfits out 
Well, that's why I call you. I, I always call Nicole <laughs> with my like stories because she doesn't ever ask like if I'm okay. She's just laugh, which is normally I feel like if you're calling me to tell me a story, you're okay, right? Yeah. Depends. I mean, physically okay. The emotional trauma may be deep. <laughs> yeah, the emotional. I can't help you with that. So I always call, which is a good segue to. Mm-hmm. This is probably, I was going to, would I say, my favorite hope story? I, I feel like it's the one that you consistently laugh your ass off. This is probably my, it's definitely my top three. Like a hope story is something that's, completely chaotic <laughs> that's happening around her and she has to then deal with the situation yep. <laughs> and normally it's not the most easy breezy kind of situation would you say correct i always have to like i luckily even though i was too dumb to get into odyssey of the mind i somehow figured out how to problem solve um because most <laughs> of my life is problem solving in some capacity or another Mm -hmm. which is great for my career um as an event manager my job i say to people all the time my job is to get yelled at and my job Mm -hmm. is to be on problem like solution q uh Mm -hmm. i need to have like 57 solutions which probably is really annoying to deal with me in real life sometimes because i'm always like my brain is like go 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 how what's the okay if this happens this is what we'll do if this happens this is what we'll Mm -hmm. do um, so probably pretty annoying for sometimes for people around me. So sorry to people around me. I will say that is, I think, one of the reasons why it works well for us because I normally am like that, but because I know you're going to be like that, then I don't have to. And it makes it so relaxing for me. I'm glad you're like, relaxed. So nice. I know it's great for me, honestly. So we figured I could tell a few of my hope event stories. Mm-hmm. So I have been lucky. I've had a really colorful career thus far in events. Um, Such a great word. I knew really well my mom helped me figure out what I wanted to do so thank you Louise you were right I was wrong I wanted to be a lawyer originally and my mom was like look hope there's these people starting tourism and events and so that's what I ended up getting studying in school and it's probably the perfect calling for me I'm very Mm -hmm. good oh yeah uh, at juggling events so I constantly am calling Nicole at three in the morning with event stories Mm because I'm getting done for the day uh and (laughs) In college, I particularly called her a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, These are my favorites. I got um, – I had several different internships, and I got an internship as an event manager at um, the on-campus events. So we did campus uh, events on campus in various different buildings. The main building we worked in was the on-campus arena. Uh, and the uh, – so we did concerts. We did school-related functions – I didn't I didn't really like deal with basketball games or anything like that. Um it was foreshadowing for my current job, which is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um so I you know I, I got I got lucky I got like exposed to a lot of different events. Um one of the first events I worked on, it was a pep rally. Uh, our school did uh one of the largest pep rallies in the country. I think at the time it was the second largest pep rally in the country, and this would uh pack out the arena. It was a 10,000 seat arena. It would pack it out every seat full. Uh, And I was working on that from the production side and all the different moving pieces and vendors and all of that. And uh, so it was homecoming weekend when we did this pep rally. It was on a Friday night. And to entice students to not drink, 
to, to not go downtown and get drunk at the university, they would hold a concert on the quad after. So they did this big pep rally, which was very family oriented. And then they would host a concert on the quad. So it was kind of a whole evening of activities to hopefully keep people from getting too drashed. Uh, and the quad, uh, my campus was you know kind of far away and it didn't have any nearby dressing rooms. So whatever show would take place out there, the dressing rooms would be in the arena with, you know, with me. And then we'd shuttle them back and forth. I, um, they always pick somebody who was family friendly, uh, cause it's an outdoor show. You can't cuss at, in like a public venue like that. That's a, it's a law, particularly in South Carolina. Um, so they, and they would try to pick somebody that would fit the current college age demographic. So that year it was the ready set. <laughs> Nicole's already laughing because she knows where this is going to go. Can I just say, I am so excited to hear this story in its full capacity because I haven't heard it since by the original telling. So this is a treat for me. So if you have not, you probably know the ready set. They're very famous mm-hmm. for a song called Love Like Whoa. You've whoa, heard the song. Oh, 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 whoa, oh. I, I have it in my head because it came on my Pandora today which is another mm-hmm. example of our foreshadowing podcast, like everything coming together. We talked about, we were going to talk about this story and then it shows up on my Pandora. And I was mm-hmm. like, I called Nicole and I was like, uh, this podcast is going to kill us. So they were using dressing rooms in our building. They arrived that morning because they were going to do sound check and all of that. So they were being shuttled back and forth between where they were going to play in our arena as dressing rooms. And they had student handlers. So the concert was put on by a student group on campus Um, with university dollars it's pretty common that's how they do it at most big universities so they had student handlers that would like be with them throughout the day and get them whatever they need if they wanted lunch if they wanted this if they wanted that Um, so meanwhile all day long I am dealing with vendors and rehearsals and all this stuff for this major pep rally we've got a bunch of moving pieces we got guest services employees we're gonna have you know people lined up for blocks to get into this thing so I'm stressed like I'm still a newbie event manager I'm this is my first major event it's a really big one I'm stressed out and for the entire day these boys I think there was three of them I'm not even sure how many members they all I think they're all boys yeah I don't even know how many how many of them were in the ready set they've just became the ready set they're one gigantic (laughs) monster in my mind um they were everywhere they were like, every time I turned around, there were somewhere that they weren't supposed to be. Every time I turned around, they were causing problems. Every time I turned around, they were like skateboarding in the lobby or like smoking weed out in the loading dock. Like it was just every time I turned around, I was having to like to deal with these guys and they kept shaking their handlers. Did you figure out how many there are? How many are there in the ready set? Okay, technically, it was one person. No, there was a whole But he had a band. Okay. There we go. So it seems to be like there was like three of them maybe. So, okay, well, there we go. So three, but they were just an entity. I'd say three or four because they have a lot of former ones too, so. So they're just everywhere and they keep shaking their handler. And I remember at the time, like I several times had to go to their like student handlers and be like, can you keep your eyes on them? Like I can't have them dealing with everything else. And I remember mm-hmm. distinctly that year they decided to do a pre 
pep rally activity, which was my project too. So we had like a pre-event where like families could come out and there was like fire trucks. And I distinctly remember we had this whole big debate over the fire dog. Could the fire dog I come? remember this. Was it too much of a liability? What if the fire dog bit somebody? It was this whole thing. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a fire dog. Like put it on the fire truck. Like, and that was like my first taste of like bureaucracy and events. Mm-hmm. And it was like the basketball team was signing and the tennis team was signing. And it was this whole big hoot nanny. Um, it was actually mm-hmm. the event. One of my other best friends, Catherine, who I'm sure will come up on this podcast. I'm That was when her and I became good friends in the hoot nanny that was this pre-event. So I'm like stressed out. Every time I turn around, these guys are there causing problems, being boys, like, you know, skateboarding mm-hmm. around, wrecking havoc. So we're probably like 30 minutes before doors. I am in hour 14 of being there and being stressed out and panicking. And once again, they are Mm -hmm. wrecking havoc. I really think they were skateboarding through like the, um, like the bowl where like Mm -hmm. how you access all the seats. And I, Went to them and I was like, guys, like, like, and I knew they were told that they had to stay in their dressing rooms. I feel like from what I heard, like they were doing it on purpose. Like they knew they were not behaving the way they should have been. Yeah. So like they were told that they needed to stay in specific areas. Like they they couldn't go to certain areas, especially after a certain time because we were gearing up for a show. Like, and I went to them and I was like, guys, I need you to go back to your dressing rooms. Like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you, you can't stay here. Like, I'm about to open doors. I'm done. Like, and I mm-hmm. I am patient until I'm not. And then mm-hmm. it all falls apart. So they, I can't even tell you. You might be able to remember. They said something to me. Like, they, uh, you're not the boss. They made a really snide comment. You're not. Like, about, you were standing right there and they made a comment about you to either their band members or to somebody else, knowing you were going to hear them. You know, something about like annoying, like how annoying mm-hmm. I was. Like, I shouldn't be the one telling them what to do. Like, who the yes, heck am it was I? That they could do whatever they wanted to do and who were you to tell them what to do or something. Like, they just, yeah. So, Hope snapped. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I looked... <laughs> at this band and the first thing i am notorious for shit coming out of my mouth that should not come out of my mouth that is not appropriate to come out of my mouth and the first thing out of my mouth was i'm gonna need you to love like whoa the fuck out of here which is their hit song that's what the song that they're known for is love like whoa and i just looked at them straight in the eye and i was like i'm gonna need you to love like whoa the fuck out of here and i will never forget their faces it was sheer blank like had no idea what to do with me just like looking at me like i was crazy and i'm like did you not hear me love like well the fuck out of here like let's go and like looks and i remember as they're walking away one of them was like did she say what i think she said and one of them was like i think so (laughs) and i just like i i you know i was done so this is to to this day, Nicole's favorite story. I called her that night at probably like what two in the morning, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I just need to tell you what happened." And like, I proceeded to tell her about the entire day and everything that went wrong, and the fire truck, and the fire dog, and everything fire that went dog. wrong, and these stupid boys from this mm-hmm. stupid band. They're probably all very nice and have probably grown up since then. But this band that we like hope. that no like had kind of lived their glory in love like whoa. Um, and like, I like, I'm telling Nicole the story and I'm all flabbergasted. I'm sitting in my car 
in the parking lot of my apartment complex at two in the morning in the dark, just like rambling on and on and on. And I'm like, and the first thing out of my mouth is love like, whoa, the fuck out of here. And Nicole lost her goddamn mind. Oh my God. I, 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 I couldn't talk to her. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, do I need to tell my boss? Like, are they going to turn around and tell my boss? Am I going to get fired? Because I like told them to fuck off with their uh, no, number one not. hit. <laughs> <laughs> their one hit wonder. So that is like, you know, those are my days. It's like I am a very organized person until all hell breaks loose. And then it's just chaos. And I remember you being like, we have to delete all their music off of our <laughs> Apple music. We had we can never listen to them again. Yeah, I made Nicole. I was like, okay, I'll delete my one song. I'm not that heartbroken about it. I made Nicole, yeah. I made Nicole delete all of her uh ready set <laughs> songs off of they her. They had one song. Like, who cares? <laughs> it's just funny because now, like, every once in a while their song comes on. Like today. And I'm like, oh my god! And every- it's a pretty catchy song. And Nicole still references that all the time. Oh, I love it so much. It's just you know, the classic. I love like, well, the fuck out of here. <laughs> I think it was such a good use of. But they did. They didn't cause you any more problems. That they did. Night. They did not. I did not see them again. They shut it down. So I, hey, it worked. It worked out. So that's that's a good. We talked about we were gonna. Uh, oh, the cross story. That was the other one that you really like from that time period. The what one? The cross. Oh, the cross. Yeah, that's also a, a solid one. So later in my same internship, Nicole really likes my stories from when I, my college internship at the arena. Yeah, uh, we did a Christian show. It, was this the boat show or was that different? No, that's what I built. That was at my current arena. That's where I work now. That was not when I was in college. That was literally oh, that, that was, was your current when they had to. That build was the October ship. of this past year. Like that was that's still a recent memory. <laughs> so uh, we did um, a so we did a Christian show. It was like it was a free show. It was not a ticketed show. It was like they kind of went campus to campus and did this show. And it was a mixture of like preaching and Christian music. And they did rotating artists. Um, so they would not announce the artist until a few weeks out of who they were bringing. And uh, they were really reluctant to give us information in advance, which if you've um, ever worked in events, you can probably attest to me with me that if they're not willing to give you information you can you you should just cancel the event because it's probably not going to go well um i've never had an event that uh it when they've been willing uh, when they've been so tight-lipped that hasn't just completely gone off the rails before it even started so we were already in the dark a little bit uh we did the best we could to prepare for it but kind of didn't really know what we were going to expect have to expect uh one of the things we weren't prepared for for that show was people to line up at like <laughs> 9 a.m so i guess when they announced the artists which one of the nice things about me working in the entertainment industry as i do i'm really not that up on popular stuff so oftentimes they'll announce things and i have no idea who these people are and it's great do we know who they were um one of them was a christian you say? one was a christian rapper that i'm not even going to be able to think of and the other one was, oh, if you give me a second, I'll be able to think of, I can think of his, um, I can think of his song and I'm struggling. Ben Rector. 
I like Ben. I did not know that was Ben Rector. Yeah. I like him. So it was Ben Rector, and it was he. I mean, at the time, it was kind of like when he had just started to gain popularity in the mainstream. Um, I like him very much. He started out as a Christian artist. I do think I knew that. Probably from way back when I told you when this happened. I know. I didn't. I I don't know. Part of me, like, blocked out that's who it was. <laughs> so I was not as involved in the production on this show. Um, my – the the production guys were much more the building managers and things like that were much more involved. First of all, people started lighting up at 9am, which we were not expecting mm-hmm. uh, so that they could get front row seats. We were not expecting people to literally rush the seats, like injuring themselves to get down the stairs to get front row seats. Uh, I, I guess that was, this was also the event that I learned that Christian events, religious events are some of the hardest mm-hmm. I'll ever do. Um, yeah. It was not was surprising. Was not expecting that at all. Uh, we so what we knew was it was going to be this like an opening act and then this christian rapper and then like a sermon kind of thing and then bad rector was the order it was going to go um and we knew very little about the sermon and things like that they were very like self-sufficient and i remember distinctly i'm in the audience i'm with my friend Catherine, who was the guest services manager uh like she was a student guest services manager and her and i are talking and it had just been a weird show. We had, like, a lot of weird little things go on. And mm-hmm. one of the things, um, this is probably, like, boring production details, but it's kind of important to the story, is that when you work at an arena with a basketball court, most of the time the basketball courts can be removed. It, they're not permanent courts. Uh, the arena I worked at was not the case. Uh, so that made it extra challenging because you had to worry about weight distribution and damaging the court. So whenever we did anything like a concert or anything like that, we would cover the floor with um, wo- like flame retardant, coated wood, mm-hmm. and then we would cover it with tarps to protect it. And it all was very like we always had to worry about like load distribution and things like that. It would very it was buckling because it would only sit on the underneath. It was dirt. There was no concrete under it. It was dirt. So our production guy spent a lot of time putting up plywood and putting down plywood. Um, we did not lay the plywood for that show. Because we were not under the impression that the show, it it did not have a ton of weight involved. There Mm -hmm. was not like heavy production, you know, they're not, it wasn't like, you know, Beyonce bringing in set pieces. Like Mm -hmm. it was not like that. Uh, And we figured it was going to be people going to their seats. It was going to be a stage with some artists playing and a guy preaching. Like we, we were not that. So they just laid the tarp for that show. It will come in later. So mm-hmm. we get through the mm-hmm. opening act. Everybody's pretty calm. We get through the Christian rapper. Guy was actually a pretty good rapper. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that. And everything's yeah. great. And then the guy gets up that's going to preach. And he doesn't just get on the stage. He comes from the back of the uh, row. Of, like all of the chairs are on the floor. If you've been to a concert, you know, there's rows and rows of chairs with a center aisle. He comes all the way up the center aisle carrying a telephone pole. A wooden telephone pole. And we're all looking at each other in confusion because this <laughs> was new information. This was like the first time we were aware of this happening as it's happening. And he carries it up on stage and he puts it down. And he is using this in his sermon as a prop to talk about like weight and how you there's so much weight on you in this world and anxiety and things like that. And that if you put that on Jesus you know, your life will be better. And he, you know, does this whole sermon with this thing out there. Okay. That's great. And all of a sudden he pulls out an ax 
also something we were unaware was going to happen <laughs> and proceeds to start hacking this wood apart two problems one we're like flabbergasted there's wood chunks flying <laughs> everywhere we if we had known this would have set the front row farther back <laughs> people in the front row are getting hit with chunks of wood not like little baby chunks of wood like big chunks of wood like we had a girl that had to go see the bennett because she got hit with a chunk of wood <laughs> like the splash zone at sea world exactly so i'm in my head like one of the production guys is looking at me and is like what is going on and i'm like i know about as much as you did which was mm-hmm. when he pulled the axe out there's wood chunks flying everywhere. My like actual full-time boss is like having a little panic attack in the corner. <laughs> like he at one point leaves, like leaves the building because he needs a break. to remove himself because it was such a difficult show. He and then he proceeds to when he hacks this thing apart after the wood flying literally everywhere, <laughs> he for minutes as he's, you know, telling he's preaching about the Lord, he proceeds to then put it together to make across mm-hmm. and he's holding it on his back and it's you know the mm-hmm. whole metaphor with jesus taking some of your responsibilities so after that he proceeds to then um reach into the side and he pulls out these big bags of chain links individual mm-hmm. chain links they're not like little flimsy chain links they were like significant chain links and pers- like he went to Home Depot and got the heavy grade and proceeds to start like. chucking them <laughs> into the audience. And it has to do with the fact that they're going to represent a symbol, a daily reminder for you of your link to Jesus. All oh, I can kind of cute. All I can focus on is how hard they are hitting the floor. And the fact oh, I didn't think I that. look at one of the production guys I'm like, "Oh my gosh, can those dent the floor?" Because we don't have the plywood down and the very expensive basketball court is there. And I'm like, can these dent the floor? And he just looks not happy. And I'm like, okay. They obviously can dent the floor. Mm-hmm. And people are like running to get these chain links. Because like, you know, so now we have a trample hazard yet again. Like this is the third trample hazard of this show. Of people running to get these chain links from their seats. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, are, mm-hmm. like. really like this is you know so then he proceeds to carry the cross off the stage so now at this point i'm like well it's gonna be interesting when we pull the tarp up is the floor damaged like the world may never know Um, (laughs) i think also we found these chain links for like weeks after oh i'm sure in an ironic twist my friend Catherine, who was there and lived my trauma i'm stressing out like i am visibly pacing and has lived this trauma and watched me go through it, thought it was hilarious, had the chain link on her dang keys for like six years after. I, one, I, I found it like six years later on her keychain. I was like, throw this away. This is my <laughs> trauma. This is what I... So basically, everyone in Hope's life, if she deals with something traumatic, you have to get rid of any type of evidence that happened. Why would you want to cause my trauma again? No, I'm kidding. So I get a call on the radio. You know, so after he preaches, he takes the cross off. It's this giant cross. He carries it off. Mm-hmm. How tall would you say in feet it is? I mean, it's a full-size telephone pole. So, I mean, it's probably uh, when he – Just to give everyone a visual. It was probably 10 foot. It was probably 10, 10 10 feet across when it was done, once he hacked the piece off of it. Mm -hmm. So, I I get a call over the radio asking what our security plan is for the final act. And I'm like – well it's a christian concert i was hoping we didn't like i don't think we have a security plan and the question became are we gonna let them rush the stage 
Like, are we going to make everybody stay in their seats? Or are we going to let everybody crowd the stage? Which we weren't staffed for that. We weren't staffed. We didn't have like that much stage front security because we figured it was a Christian concert. How much mm-hmm. stage front security? Last time I ever made that mistake. And well, and also you, like you said, you didn't really know. They didn't give you a lot of information. We didn't know it was. I don't think we knew it was Ben Rector until a couple weeks out, which we could have yeah. magic security out of thin air, but we didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And. I had like 10 seconds to make the decision. Are we going to make everybody stay in their seats? Or are we going to let them go up there? And that's a whole different conversation with like fire safety and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, everybody's staying in their seats. So then mm-hmm. it became who's keeping everybody in their seats, which I guess all of us managers are. So we all lie in the front of the stage and have to convince all the nice Christian kids to go back to their seats that aren't so nice anymore. Forgot about that, that you guys had to be on the. So we get through this. Everybody's staying in their seat. We're doing great. Can I? we might have to edit this out. Um, So one of the production guys that I was really good friends with, he was helping out as like one of our guest services guys that night. Um, He had picked up a shift. So he was working stage side and he had um, earplugs in because it's so loud. And I'm talking to him and it's me. It's one of our production guys that I'm very good friends with to this day, me and this guy. And we're, you know, so Ben Rector comes out and he starts playing and everybody's, fan girling on a whole nother level like one direction has just shown up with the beatles as their backup band and all praise the lord so this guy in the second row now i went to a school in the south pretty small town school it you know there wasn't we're gonna say not a not a significantly large gay population particularly not at a christian event um in this area at least this kid obviously had the world's biggest crush on Ben Rector. I mean, this guy was, I want to say he was in a Ben Rector shirt. I really like that in my head is what he was wearing. He had a full fledged 12 year old girl meltdown. Sorry. I'm just looking up what he looks like. Cause I can't picture it. And I wanted to see Pan- like this, this guy. What do you know who he kind of reminds me of? Um, Ben, Platt from uh yeah <laughs> doesn't he so I, I can see that so he yeah this guy in the second row he's probably like an 18 19 year old guy is full-on fangirling we're watching this guy kind of chuckling because it's you know when you work shows it's kind of funny to see fans reactions like it, it oh yeah positive, like you know we're not trying to be too mean about this like we're not trying to target no. this kid and be mean to this kid but it was kind of funny how excited this kid was mm-hmm. and he's just like screaming every word and can't stop dancing in his seat and just like he looks like a 12 year old girl at a one direction concert i can't describe but it i anymore. love that like i want like i think you have to enjoy a concert why are you gonna pay money and go if you're not gonna enjoy it so we're standing next to this guy who's working, you know, this guest services spot and helping us out. And we point out this kid in the second row and he's like, who? And we point out, we point him out. And it happened to just be the moment that they stopped between songs and it got really quiet. And this, this guy had earplugs in. So he didn't realize how loud he was being. So he says to me and my friend, Oh my God, that guy looks like he just came in his pants. (laughs) And it was the exact moment they got really quiet. And Ben Rector and his bassist 
both turn and stare at all three of us. And I'm like, what? And I cannot stop laughing. The friend that's with me, the production guy, literally walks away. He's laughing so hard. And this guy just said it. He's like, what? What's going on? And I was like, dude, stop playing. Everyone just heard you. And he was like, oh, okay. And just like, I, like, he, Ben Rector literally looked over at us and was like, I was like, oh my God, embarrassing myself in front of people since 2014. So after they left, after we survived that show and the the tarp came up and the floor was not damaged, um, but we found chain links for literally months after, Mm -hmm. uh, we were stuck with this cross in our loading dock. They were like, we don't want it. Get rid of it. Which seems like they an left awful it. thing. That they just left it. Which feels like awful. Like I feel like that's super sacrilegious to just leave your cross or like throw it away. Mm-hmm. Like so Yeah, that is weird. Weeks went by and then one day I you know I passed it every day going into work and weeks went by and one day the cross was gone. And I figured they got rid of it. Several weeks later, one of our other friends that I I, I gained a really good group of friends working in this job. We we're all student employees. Um and you know, once you're in the trenches together, you're friends for life. Yeah, we are over at somebody's house and we're all drinking and having a good time. And somebody's like, what happened to the cross? And I was like, yeah, just one day it was gone. And this guy, he was a local and he's one of the sweetest human beings I've ever met. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, I took it. <laughs> and I'm like, where? And he's like, I took it to my grandparents' house. They put twinkly lights on and it's up in their backyard. And to this day, this mm-hmm. cross is in this guy's backyard with twinkly mm-hmm. lights on it. And I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. It, that's an incredible story. But that's, yeah. Those are my convolutedly long couple of my hope saving the chaos event stories. I love that. I love that he took it home and put it in his grandparents' backyard. And it just, that's where it is now. I, we, I probably talked to him in May or June and I asked him about it. And he's like, yep, it's still there with twinkle lights on it. And I'm just like, wow. You should see if we can get a picture of it. I think I have. I think if I was, I think you have one. I okay. think I've seen it. I think he sent it. Like, yeah, they they gardened around it. They made it a really nice garden with some twinkle lights. I love that so much. Now I have my own personal cross in their backyard. We should find out who that uh, reverend. I don't know what he was. The who gave the sermon, who made the cross, and send him a picture and be like, "Hey, look, we still have it." I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I keep waiting for them to show up to my to my current job. Now that I'm working yeah. back in an arena, now that I've swung my career back to being in an arena, I keep waiting for them to show up. I keep waiting to be like, we booked this show and me being like, oh no. my gosh. They should let you have like one veto that you don't want to work with like one show. Mm. Although you would have a kind of a lot of vetoes, I feel like at this <laughs> point. Yeah, I'd probably be vetoing a half a dozen. That, that's like, mm-hmm. I think you, I always find it funny when I talk to people who have never been around anybody who works in events Mm -hmm. um how like oblivious people are to the entire experience like i think there are legitimately people in this world that think events just are popped up out of a box and then you just go to the concert and enjoy it and there's no chaos and there's no like all hell breaking loose and and then you leave and then that's that and that's not what it's like and and it always Mm -hmm. blows my mind to this day so because I think even if you have a really well-oiled machine, it's still you are running the actual arena and the people that are coming in, even though they might work really well together and they might build a stage excellently and lighting and stuff, they still 
you still have to deal with each other and you guys have never worked together Mm -hmm. or, you know, you only work together so much. So there's still so many variables. There's like a thousand things that can go wrong. And I can guarantee at any show, 900 of them do. Like even if the backstage, like the, you know, like the actual setup and everything goes flawlessly, there's always, I feel like every time you've always like, then this happens because it's just people and there's so many. (laughs) People management is so hard at shows. I have endless stories that could fill 15 more episodes of just guests so those are my yeah i spend a lot of my life nicole stories are such crazy things that you can't imagine them happening to anybody else like it's like Mm -hmm. what are the odds of this kind of a thing Mm -hmm. and hope stories are always um chaotic things that i then have to somehow figure out how to fix and oftentimes i just get stuck with the fixing (laughs) yeah normally it's you got this right and then everyone else leaves and I'm like, okay, I'll deal with the baby frog. It's good. <laughs> I got this to worry, guys. Don't worry. The holiday armadillo and I will be fine. Um, so we officially have social media. Do we want to plug that? Do we want to get our first social plug? Yeah. So we officially have social media. We have an Instagram, a Twitter, and a Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Facebook, you can find us under the Choreographed Chaos, the podcast. Our Twitter is Choreographed P. That's our handle, but you can search Choreograph Chaos to find us because apparently Twitter handles have a capacity of number of oh. letters. Uh, and then the Instagram is Choreograph Chaos, the podcast as well. So we've started to post on those. Yay. I know. We're like using Nicole's media degree. We are. We're going we're gonna to put it to the test. See how it goes. See, yeah, exactly. Real life. Yes. I think we survived another episode. I think so. Getting better. What am I saying? It's been real. It's been fun. <laughs> now the day is done. Oh my God. Now we're a freaking good night moon. I know. You're welcome. Good night, podcast. Good night, people. Good it night, is 1.30 in the morning while we're doing this. So that seems fitting. Do we think Jeff is still awake? I told him to stay awake until I was done. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> so I guess. All right. We're, we're still also accepting uh, suggestions for how we close these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, we have no idea. So that is episode three of Choreograph Chaos, the podcast. Have a good Bye. night. Bye, everyone. The pick a nick a basket.